From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, Buzz Adams, thank you very much, and welcome back, everybody. As we get going with Sports Talk here on what will be a busy Thursday edition of the program. Great to have you back. And we'll be with you for 90 minutes. 90 minutes today, but... Oh my goodness gracious. What a uh, what a day for the Cowboys. I mean, could it be any worse? Tyler Beadish is out uh, for uh, a while with a hammy. And by the way, Adrian, I had no idea how to pronounce his last name. In fact, I had to go to profootballreference.com and look for the pronunciation which was confirmed under the Dallas Cowboys press release. So, um I would never have guessed uh Biadish or Biadish. I guess it's Biadish because the ah is all in caps. So I guess it's Tyler Biadish. Sounds good. Uh, he's not the headline, though. No, he's not. No, he's not. Trayvon Diggs. Oh, my God. You lose. That's a brutal one for the Cowboys because he has been so good. Signed the contract extension. Um, you know, I was expecting, and by the way, it's Stefan Diggs' brother, for those of you wondering. Trayvon Diggs is Stefan's brother, and uh, he was so good with the Cowboys. And, yeah, that's rough. That is rough. You lose your Pro Bowl center to a hammy during practice, undergoing the MRI to the uh, determine the extent of the injury, and then you, uh, in the same practice, you lose star quarterback Trayvon Diggs. Hey, by the way, um... And I'm just curious about this. The Cowboys, is it turf for natural grass for their practice Ooh, field? That's the star, right? Star at Frisco. Uh, we got to check that out and see if well, what's the case there. If it's the star, it's turf. I know that for a fact. Because I've been to the star, and I've been there when I've seen that. Uh, seen that, uh, that is not natural grass. That's turf. So, you know, that's, that's rough. That is rough for the Cowboys. Two go down in the same day. And one's a pro bowler and the other's just, you know, one of your best defensive players. He's not the best. Uh, look, Micah Parsons is the best defensive player on that team. He's probably the best defensive player in football right now. But Trayvon Diggs, you can make an argument that he's the best cornerback right now in the NFL. You think about just the top secondaries in the league right now. You probably shift your eyes over to the Philadelphia Eagles and what they did uh, in their quest to the Super Bowl last year. I love the 49ers secondary. Hufanga is like one of the most underrepresented or I guess under uh, talked about safeties that you're going to find across the league. Uh, you could also look at the secondary with that Miami has built. Despite the injuries that they have, they have some really nice uh, pass, uh, you know, pass blockers and all of that. But what the Cowboys bring to the table in their secondary, I think they are right now, they were the, the best secondary in the league with Stephon Gilmore, who's an all-pro safety, who also is in the ba- in the defensive backfield with Diggs. So right. the fact that they lose Diggs today is such a huge, huge loss to this defense. It was, you know, great. It was playing great early on into the season, and now we won't get to see the fullest potential of this defense this season. No, we're not. Now we're going to see a defense that instead is uh, going to rely on uh, uh, Deron Bland. He is now your new starter. And I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know about you, but I do not know how that's going to work. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work either. I'd still think that I give uh, you know the nod to the Cowboys defense over other secondaries. Like I, I still think Gilmore is a good enough player to anchor that defensive backfield. It's just not going to be as good as it was with Diggs. Obviously, I mean this guy was such a disruptor. You you uh, heard me say it earlier, but right now since he entered the league, the only guy who has uh, the equal amount of interceptions to him is J.C. Jackson of the Los Angeles. Chargers 18 interceptions since he's entered the league in 2020 and you know he played at Alabama he was a highly touted prospect going out of college but he fell to the Cowboys I believe it was in the second round and uh, I'm just really bummed that he gets a setback like this obviously we know ACL means a full year out calendar year out so you he, he might not make it back until uh first second game of next season Deron Bland um he Turned 24 in July. He's in his second season from Fresno State. 
62202. So he's got great size as a corner. And he goes opposite Stephon Gilmore, who's one of the best. You're right about that. But, I mean, you could make an argument that Gilmore and um, and Diggs, that was the best quarterback's uh, combination in the NFL, like you said earlier. And now you just wonder, uh, when you put a guy like Bland into the, uh, you know, thrust him into the starting lineup like this uh, in year two, what what really can you expect? I don't know. I don't know either. The good thing is, uh, you know, a coach, a uh, defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn, he does like to rotate a lot of his guys. Like we've seen Noah Igbenogamy already play a lot at that uh, corner position, even though he's not even in the two deep. So he plays a lot of snaps. He's versatile, but he's not necessarily somebody who's, uh, you know, your your second or I guess he's kind of like your a hybrid between your second or third string guy. Uh, but the point is the Cowboys do throw a lot of these guys out there they rotate their secondary members or anybody in their defensive backfield out in and out of uh, possession so maybe maybe bland can benefit off of those snaps that he's taken before he led the cowboys with five interceptions last season he also had an interception for a touchdown against the giants so it's not exactly like Deron Bland is somebody that uh, you're worried about. In fact, maybe the Cowboys' defensive backfield is so good that they could actually absorb this and not miss a beat. It's possible because Jordan Lewis now will go to the slot, which is his normal role, and uh, Bland goes into the other cornerback spot. So you know what? The Cowboys are so good in their depth. Uh, this might actually, it's going to hurt, of course. I mean, you lose Trayvon Diggs. Uh, that is not going to be something that uh, should ever be taken lightly. But Dallas might be able to plug in Bland and realize that, uh, you know, he'll still be able to get the job done. Great size, great ability, good ball hawking skills. So for Dallas, yeah, it's tough, but it's different than if you lose Micah Parsons. Yeah, just to, uh, you know, continue on the depth of the secondary. Malik Hooker's their backup safety to Jaron Curse, and uh, he already has a pick on the season. He's already been impactful early on into the season, so I like their depth in their secondary. I think the Cowboys did a good job of shoring that up. They added star power with Stephon Gilmore over the offseason, so the sky's not falling if you're a Cowboys fan. It just isn't going to be the top-tier uh, defense that we expected to start the season. No, you're right. Uh, that is very true. True. Um, you know. How do you pronounce Noah's last name? I see Igbenag is it Igbenaguni or Gunny? Igbenagami. Igbenagani? Yes. That's Gna- right. Agony. All right. Igbenagani. Sounds good. Noah Igbenagani. It's tough. It's not an easy name to pronounce. No. Uh thanks to Christy Scales. I I had to listen to that one a couple times. I appreciate that. All right, just getting started here on the program. Um hey. Again, if you're a Cowboys fan, would love to hear from you, especially with the way the games have gone so far. And now going up against the Cardinals, which everybody thinks is a very winnable game for Dallas, what's the effect going to be losing Diggs? And more importantly than that, what about when you what about losing the center? How bad's that going to be? You're losing a Pro Bowl center, and if he's out this week or for the next couple of weeks, what's that impact going to be like? Right. Biotish is somebody who I think that on that offensive line has created a lot of opportunities for guys like Tony Pollard or like Deuce Vaughn, who's come onto the scene in a pretty nice way as a third string back for the Cowboys. I mean, look, it's limited production so far that we've seen from the Cowboys. They haven't necessarily had to light the world on fire offensively. Their defense has been doing all the talking. This just might tell you that uh, with this injury today to Diggs, that the offense needs to step up a little bit more. Uh, I, I know they obviously have put up 70 points in two games, but look at the opponent and who they were facing in the first two weeks. 505-6009, that's our telephone number. We're going to bring uh, Jeff Erickson on here in 10 minutes, do a little fantasy football talk with Jeff. We'll we'll get Jeff's thoughts on everything that's happened. I think that's important uh, in itself as uh, we get going uh, on the show today. And, you know, some of the other interesting news. um, Also, it's not good when uh, Brandon Ayuk, not expected to play tonight against the Giants because of a shoulder injury. So he's going to be out. Saquon Barkley's going to be out. You know, with Ayuk out, it really makes Debo Samuel the man for San Francisco. And I'm so interested to see, um, you know, if the Giants can hang in there after coming off that emotional win uh, here Sunday. 
coming back to beat the Cardinals down 20 to nothing. Hey, this is where Brian Dayball loves to shine, right? When everybody counts him out. Uh, what the Rams showed you is, hey, the Rams aren't the best team out there. I called them maybe a wild, a fringe wild card team earlier this week. Uh, but maybe the Rams showed everybody that uh, at times the 49ers can be vulnerable. However, if their talent is shining like they did in the fourth quarter of that game, they could take over any game. It doesn't matter which opponent they're facing and win it. Uh, that's how good and talented this 49ers team is, uh, but they also are a team that I'm looking at for health reasons. I want to see how healthy they continue to be or not be throughout the season because we know that injuries have hit, uh, hurt them in the past in trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Speaking of injuries, uh, no Bryce Young against Seattle because of his ankles, so it'll be Andy Dalton playing quarterback for Carolina. That's uh, when you try to bring in a veteran backup. It's for insurance, and here you go. The ankle will be uh, you know, keeping Bryce Young out at least uh, this week. Yeah, it's been a tough start for Bryce Young. I mean, he looks small out there. If you just watch the Carolina Panthers play in any game, he looks tiny. And I, we've seen small quarterbacks play in the NFL. Drew Brees. We've seen, of course, uh, most recently, Kyler Murray, who is tiny. Uh, and, of course, Russell Wilson. But uh, 5'8 for Bryce Young. He's under 200 pounds. He's tiny out there. He barely could see past his offensive line. I'm a little worried that Panthers fans will get excited from what they see from Andy Dalton and uh, you know ask for him to be the quarterback after this game against the Seahawks. Could be. Well, you never know. Uh, don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. First it's, overall pick. How do you bench him, right? If he's get, healthy? No. I, I, listen, when was the last time you got too excited about Andy Dalton? Anywhere. Seriously. Oh, man. No, it's, been a, it's been a while. Cincinnati, probably. Yes. Exactly right. In his heyday. Years ago. Years ago. Serviceable backup, and that's about it. That's what he is. When you're in your late 30s, you've been around as long as he has, it's all about insurance. That's what uh, Andy Dalton, uh, that's what he does. All right, so as we said, good show today. Lee Sterling at 5. We'll get uh, Lee giving us some of his thoughts on uh, his college and pro picks this week from ParamountSports.com. Up next, Jeff Erickson. Yesterday, because of Bernie and the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch, we were not able to bring Jeff on at his normally scheduled time and the Chihuahuas. And as you might imagine, uh, today also 5.30, tomorrow 6. And uh, this is our last full week of Chihuahuas baseball for 2023. After Sunday, we wait until the end of March, early April, for the 2024 season. So, um, looking forward to Anthony Reifenberg's call coming up here about an hour and 15 minutes from now. But up next, Jeff and your fantasy questions. Send them to us, please, at 600 ESPN El Paso. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso. Anything you want to know, who to start, who to sit, who to pick up, who to drop, flex options, everything you need. This is the time to do it. Free advice from RotoWire's Jeff Erickson as we send it out to Charlie One. Let's get our first traffic update here of our Thursday commute. 19 past the hour. If you have a question for Jeff for fantasy football, send it to us now at 600 ESPN El Paso. That's at 600 ESPN El Paso. You can also send it to us via our app chat like Robert did. Hey, Adrian, Robert writes, how can you say the Cowboys haven't played anyone? Last I heard, the Jets have uh, a top three defense. The Cowboys will be fine with their depth at cornerback. I agree with Robert that they'll be fine at their depth. Uh, with cornerbacks uh, that they've got on the board. And I also, you know, just to correct myself, I think the Jets are a fine defense. I would just say the Cowboys offense didn't have to empty the kitchen sink. They didn't have to do a lot against the Giants or the Jets in order to swiftly beat both of them. And, uh, you know, that's impressive. That's a testament to what the defense has done. The defense has honestly created a lot of opportunities for that offense with Dallas. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's a great segue to bring in the one and only Jeff Erickson from um, uh, rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for all fantasy sports, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, daily leagues, golf, soccer, you name it, they've got it. Rotowire.com. In fact, Jeff will profile some of the articles that uh, are at the top of the website uh, coming up a little bit later in the show and tell you how you can get a free trial run to see everything they have out at Rotowire. But before we do all that, Jeff, let's talk about the big story. Trayvon Diggs torn ACL during practice today. Cowboys also lose their Pro Bowl starting center, so it's a tough one for them. He's got a hammy. Nobody knows the extent of that injury. But, um, you know, the Cowboys defense has been so good 
what will Trayvon Diggs uh, being out for the year, you know, do to a, a defense that was kind of carrying them these first two weeks against the New York teams? It's a brutal injury. They may not feel the effects this week against Arizona just because Arizona's offense doesn't have a really threatening wide receiver, nor, let alone a quarterback, quarterback there. Uh, and that pass rush is going to kind of camouflage some of like the depth issues now at corner for the Cowboys. But the schedule will pick up eventually, and when it does, they'll, they'll feel that effect. Immediately, short term, I'm more concerned about losing the starting center, especially this, you know, in the week like this too. You know, it's just you kind of have to make some adjustments on the fly. Yep. Often, the center is making all the calls on the line about picking up blitzes, things of that nature. We've seen many times where losing a, a, a center can really hurt an offense. I think about the Bucks last year with, with Ryan Jensen and losing him and how bad that offensive line was all season long. It wasn't the only thing they were lacking that year, but it was a big part. Um, and we've seen before just that the Cowboys losing a, an offensive lineman. I mean, let, let's face it, that a big foundation of the team is that great offensive line. And when they're not well, it hurts. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, that said, I mean, it, it, this week at least is – I don't think it's net, as, as threatening. I don't think they're a, a big threat to lose the game. But maybe, uh, you know, with uh, other big picks on the board, if you're in a survivor pool, maybe go elsewhere this week. Without Biadish, I'm wondering who's going to go into the center spot because they don't really have a backup center on their depth chart. So I'm interested to see which offensive lineman slides into his role. And you've got right now Dak Prescott 11th on your weekly value meter at the quarterback spot. Does he perhaps slide down a few spots knowing that uh, there could be, uh, you know, uh, I guess a transition at the center spot with Biotis' injury? Could be. Uh, but look behind him, though, like Justin Fields has lost two offensive linemen. Uh, Geno Smith hasn't been firing on all cylinders yet. I mean, maybe Brock Purdy tonight is someone you would think about leapfrogging him for this week, but... You know, I, point is there's there's problems you know everywhere. You know, maybe Matthew Stafford is actually the guy I'm undervaluing right now, who's been awesome so far this season. Uh, but he, I think he's got a tough road matchup against Cincinnati, so we'll see. You're right. And by the way, Brock Purdy is currently your 14th ranked quarterback uh, this week. And in case people are wondering, Daniel Jones ranked 20th despite an incredible comeback. Let's be honest. What the Giants did against the Cardinals in the second half was nothing short of phenomenal when they had been outscored 60 to nothing at that point through the first uh, six quarters of football for 2023. Yeah, that's true. Um, they did it against the Cardinals. The fact that they had to make that comeback. I don't know. That, that, that's just as uh, eye-opening to me. They, they did. Um, I think they were fortunate that who they were facing and, you know, that, that you know, they were able to do so. I think Arizona did some things that made it a little bit easier for them, too. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think, though, with no Barkley, no uh, Andrew Thomas, uh, a couple other key injuries on that team, I think they're going to be up against it on a short rest tonight in San Francisco. You know, you mentioned Justin Fields a little while ago with the injuries that he suffered on the O-line. He's a great example of a quarterback that is much more valuable in fantasy than he is in real life because of the ability to run the football and get into the end zone as a runner. Because you look at what he's done, they're saying that he could be out of a job soon in Chicago the way he's trending. Yet, sometimes if you play Justin Fields in fantasy, because of that dual threat ability, you get rewarded more than than the team actually does when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think that's generally true. I, I, I'm dismissing the could lose his job uh, aspect of it because if he loses his job, other people are losing their job too. Uh, I, they don't really have a ready-made solution behind him. But you're right. He's a better fantasy quarterback than real-life quarterback. Here's an idea, though. You've got this guy that's got great scrambling ability. Maybe, I don't know, call some design runs for him. Um, they, they, that's weird that they haven't been doing so so far this year. You're not getting the benefit of the bargain fantasy-wise and, and in real life. He's better when he's out in, the, in open spaces. Um, I, instead of being like having to react to the pass rush being right on top of him, why not roll him out? Why not get him, him moving more? Uh, I, I just think you know, play to his strengths instead of trying to make him something he's not.
Good point. We're talking to uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire as we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, let's talk about the Rams running back situation. Cam Akers was dealt to Minnesota here yesterday because they've got a brand new back came, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but all of a sudden there is someone that is jumping up your value meter and somebody that probably wasn't on anybody's radar when the season started. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. Uh, Kyron Williams might have been on radar just because there was some hype going into last year's draft. I think some people, like Devi people, are, are like patting themselves on the back for this one. I think you know people might have gotten him as a handcuff, uh, something of that nature, in the deeper leagues that I'm in. But yeah, he was available in 75% of the leagues I was in. You know, and uh, kudos to those who spent big on him after one week because yeah, he he's now the he was on the field for all but one play uh, last week, Steve. Uh, you know, they they are treating him like a full third down back. He did have that one drop that led to an interception, but he also made some nice catches, and it's clear they're comfortable throwing it to him. Uh, that's the part that I'm encouraged by, especially in PPR leagues. It's hard to find someone that's a third down back. Now, you know, with all that usage comes more risk of getting hurt, yeah. uh, and the knock on him in the past has been that he's undersized. So we'll see if he can withstand that. Uh, his backups are, you know, uninspiring. Ronnie Rivers, Zach Evans. There's, there's no one knocking on that door to take it from him there. But just a, rem- a reminder, though, too, like how many how many people had his name on the tips of their tongue going into the season? Very few. So things can't come at you fast in the NFL. We may think there's nobody behind him, but there's always somebody. Right behind Kyron Williams in your value meter is Brian Robinson of Washington. And yep. I am one of those guilty believing that uh, I had to go ahead and uh, when I was playing in my dynasty league and it was free agency and I needed a running back, spend the money and lock in um, not necessarily Robinson, but I was looking at bringing in his uh, his other uh, backfield mate, thinking that this was going to be a good year for Antonio Gibson. Uh, that has not been the me case. Too. You know, yeah, me too. I was. I think I was ranking Gibson ahead of Robinson everywhere. Uh, and it's not like this is one and one a, or even like a close one and two. It's Robinson dominating it so far by a pretty significant margin. Uh, I, I'm very concerned having Gibson in a lot of places. Can't really use him right now, uh, and that that's frustrating because I need to use him. I, I mean, I have got you know with with the running back apocalypse this week, Steve. You know, there's a lot of people hurting. Austin Eckler's not practicing yet. You know, Chubb's out for the year. Uh, Barkley's out this week. There are a lot of backs, and you know, I'm just scratching the surface of the names that have problems. You know. You need that that backup back to be someone like at the level at least of Tyler Algier, so someone that you could plug in and play this week, and he ain't it right now. I I just can't use Antonio Gibson. Jeff, I want to check back in with you on rookie quarterbacks. Last week uh, we saw Anthony Richardson score a pair of touchdowns on the ground uh, before he went out with that concussion. Uh, C.J. Stroud racked up some points, although his team was, you know, obviously defeated. They, they were defeated by the Colts in that one, but it seems like he might be that garbage time quarterback who picks up points there, and his receivers are pretty, you know, valued pretty high. Is that a matchup thing right there, Texans versus Colts? Or what did you see out of the two rookie quarterbacks? Oh, it was a little bit. I mean, the score was 28-7 to at one point, too. So they kind of just had to start airing it out. Uh, and the run blocking has been hideous so far. Tunsil was out last week. That doesn't help. Another key offensive lineman out. There's a variation on the theme. Uh, but, yeah, so far Stroud has been pretty valuable. Uh, you know, Anthony Richardson looked like he was on pace for a massive day before he had, went out with the concussion. Looks like he self-reported. He played two series after suffering the hit on the second touchdown, um, you know, the, the hit that caused the concussion. Uh, you know, it, it's been tough. Bryce Young's going to look like he's going to miss this week, and he's looked pretty terrible so far. Another team, awful, awful offensive line. He's scrambling for his life. But Young isn't quite used to the speed of the NFL. He needs to make better decisions in terms of getting rid of the ball. That's been a problem so far for him. Um, It's a lot of learning on the job right now. My biggest problem with Richardson is he can't go head first into some of these running uh, defensive players yep. the way he's doing it. It's, I don't want to say it's reckless, but he's playing like you would expect a young kid to play, someone that's just going out there and trying to destroy people at the NFL level and realize that at the quarterback spot, you, you just can't do that. Well, and the physical differences between college and the pros. I mean, where everyone is that much faster, that much bigger and stronger, you know, he can't 
you know, he, he's at, he can't run over everyone like he did in college. You know, it's, it's just a different game. Uh, and we're starting to see that a little bit more. Uh, you know, he hurt his knee in the first game and then had the concussion. Falling backwards, you know, he had already scored. And he was getting knocked down as he's scoring and kind of fell backwards, hit his, the back of his head, jumped up, did a flip of some sort. You know, he, was, he looked like he was fine at the time. And then, oh, later on, not so fine. So uh, just, just a reminder, just, it hits a little harder, but... Um, yes, I don't. I don't know if Richard's gonna, Richardson's going to be able to play this week. Hasn't practiced yet in the first two practices, and they have like the like Carolina. They have a credible backup. Mm-hmm. You know, Andy Dalton's going to get the start against Seattle. It looks like, and Gardner Minshew for the Colts against the uh, Ravens in the Battle of Baltimore, basically there. So, uh, could be interesting to see what happens this week there. When we come back, Jeff is going to answer the question that everybody wants to know. What the heck has happened to Deshaun Watson? We'll get that answer and a whole lot more, including your questions for Jeff at 600 ESPN El Paso as we send it over to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Erickson from rotowire.com. So uh, I've heard so much talk about Deshaun Watson and, and what happened to him. It's funny, as bad as he's looked at times, you've got him ahead of Dak Prescott in your rankings this week. So you tell me, from a fantasy standpoint, is Deshaun Watson as bad to start the year as he's been uh, from a football standpoint for the Browns? Uh, you know, I think, you know, the legs make it. He, he's kind of in the uh, Justin Fields category, where the legs are making him a more valuable fantasy quarterback than real life quarterback. I mean, he's ha- he's making some awful decisions too, uh, including kind of pushing a ref at one point. Kind of got away with that, but um, I like the matchup a lot this week against Tennessee. If he doesn't get it done this week against Tennessee, he's going to sink way far down in the rankings. That's for sure. Uh, but I, I do think he gets a little bit better, weather permitting, of course. With Cleveland, you always have to say that. Um, I like the chemistry he's displayed with Amari Cooper, um, and I think with Chubb out, they're going to need more from him. So you're going to see more attempts from him too. How soon till we can start to see fantasy value from Kareem Hunt? Uh, speaking of the Browns, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Kevin Stefanski made a point of saying Jerome Ford's still the lead back, even after Hunt signed. Uh, I. You know, you know, I, I think it could be similar to Cam Akers. You know, Cam Akers gets traded the Vikings. Uh, I don't think Akers is going to do a lot because I don't think he has a lot left. And I think the same is true with Hunt. I think there's a reason why he remained unsigned, remained unsigned as long as he did. Do you think Pierre Strong possibly gets more of an elevated role in this offense? If Ford gets hurt. Uh, otherwise, I think he's still just the backup uh, he and Hunt will battle out. I think Hunt Hunt's dangerous because he could be a pass catcher. And, you know, in a PPR league, that's going to really strip away for its value. I think it's, it's one of those situations that helps no one. <laughs> you know, where, yeah, okay, great, he signed. I, you know, he, maybe. I mean, he does know the offense. He knows the team. He knows the most of the personnel. He hasn't worked really a whole lot with Watson necessarily. But um, I think that, you know, I think ultimately, I want to be proven wrong, but I don't think Hunt has a whole lot left. Matt Breida, how big of a night does he have for the Giants playing in place of Saquon Barkley tonight? I don't think it's a big night because it's a, the opponent's really tough, but at the same time, he could catch six to eight passes. That is not far-fetched. Um, I think he is the primary pass-catching back among those still remaining. I think last year he had like nine targets in, his, in the game that Barkley sat out, uh, if I recall correctly. So, you know, he, there, there's, a, there's a pathway to him having some value. Uh, I just don't think he goes off, though. If you own Puka Nakua, do you feel like you can trade away Cooper Cup and get good value for him before he comes back? Uh, if you have both of them, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I think Nakua, you know, here's the thing. Nakua's good enough that they're going to find a role for him when Cup, Cup returns. Uh, but it won't be the same role. In fact, he's been taking a lot of the routes that Cup would run, so necessarily the profile is going to decline. But I think he's good enough they'll find other ways to work him in. I think his route running is strong enough that he can handle that. Physicality, though, is an issue. He's not going to be like a great outside receiver because of that. He just He's not going to win jump balls. He's not going to win you know, fade routes, those sort of things. You know, you notice he hasn't scored yet. Uh, he's had all these great targets. He's had a lot of catches. He's good, and we're ha- if you have him, you're you're very happy with the results. But I think there's some certain limitations, and if his role changes, that he's no longer like lining up inside, uh, 
that might be a problem. Uh, that so he could be down like a five to seven catch per per game sort of guy. Which hey, wouldn't we all love to be that? But it's it's definitely a decline in profile. Does his success uh, give you some uh, belief that maybe Cup's uh, success in stardom is more sure. of a product of his role? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, Cup was on on track for a really huge season before he got hurt last year. Um, what it really does for me, Puka Nakua's success so far, is it illustrates to me Matthew Stafford's healthy. Uh, I think that's the biggest revelation because you know he was coming back from, you know, there was a lot of talk last year that that, that neck injury could be career ending. Um, that's clearly not the case. Uh, we have, and it serves as a reminder how good Stafford was before he got hurt. Jeff, from how bad Russell Wilson has started off the season, how do you trust uh, his skill uh, position players in a fantasy situation? I think he's better than he was last year. Um, there's still some inefficiency issues. You know, there's a lot of hubbub about simplifying the play names, play calls, so they can get plays in quicker. Um, it's, it's a weird thing. Like they didn't want to put. He doesn't want to have much on a wristband. You know. I, some weird stuff going on there. Um, Jerry Judy missed the first game and was limited, obviously, last week. So I think you don't want to read too much in the results there. Um, but I, I think that they have some pretty decent skill position players, and I think there are times when Russ can still cook. I don't know if he's gonna how much he's going to cook this week against Miami on the road. Could be a tough ask. But I, I think there will be some good games in him still left. Let's profile what you have on the website right now. What would you like to talk about? Well, I'm going currently as we speak. I'm going through my value meter ranking guys for the position, doing an update on that. Uh, a lot to update this week, especially with running backs. It's the apocalypse this week. Uh, but uh, we've got a great uh, you know game breakdowns for tonight from fantasy, DFS, and betting purposes. Uh, we've got a target breakdown article by Jerry uh, Donabinian. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, <coughs> free agent articles, we have like three free agent articles a week because you know just different. Different viewpoints, different types of leagues. We help you tackle it from different angles. Dif- different people doing the analysis, too, just so you can get a couple different points of view. Good. Again, that's all at uh, rotowire.com. You know, it's crazy. A whole week without even any baseball fantasy talk, Jeff. It's, maybe it's because it's nearly the end of the season and leagues are wrapping up right now with playoffs and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little difficult this time of year to kind of expect the same production from guys that have kept you in a race all year long because they're either not playing as much or they're starting to slow down a little bit with their, uh, with their play after six months of a baseball season. Absolutely, and you know if you know it's if you have the intensity of one of the wild card races or trying to win seating, trying to win a division like the Rays and the Orioles. I mean, then then it matters a lot more. But there's some playing of the out of the string going on. I mean, you know, you look at the Cardinals today getting shut out by Wade Miley. I mean, yeah, you can see there's too many days. Okay, we fell behind. Kind of dial down that intensity a little bit there. The Angels are really playing out the string. Yeah, no doubt. The Otani story is is, is a tough one, especially with... Deflating. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, listen, great job as always, Jeff. Appreciate the flexibility. We'll hook up with you again right back here next week. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com, as we continue here on the program. All right, 19 in front of five. We'll come back with plenty more, including Lee Sterling. He's about 20 minutes away from ParamountSports.com. But next, ABC7 News, followed by Charlie One, and then... More of your comments, more of your questions. The Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Don't forget, Saturday night, Miners and UNLV. We'll have it for you on our partner station, 95.5 KLAQ. In fact, uh, tickets remain for the game on 915 night. I think there's going to be a good crowd. I do. First time in 30 years, these two are going to be facing off with each other. And uh, once again, um, it is uh, Heroes Night. It is 915 night, 7 o'clock kickoff. Our coverage starts on the queue at 6 on the countdown to kickoff. After the game, Adrian, Sal, Zay, the boys will be getting together uh, for minor talk. 
uh, presented by 915 Tours. That is coming up, uh, Adrian, uh, and that's going to be big as well with Minor Talk after the ball game right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Yeah, and I also want to give a big plug to what we're doing out at the district, a tailgate this week. That's right. We will be out there ahead of the game on 600 ESPN El Paso from 3 to 5, 99-cent wings, ton of college football games. Come watch that Colorado-Oregon game with us uh, during the afternoon before you go off to and watch the Miners play against UNLV. Join us at the District West. It's so much fun. 32-33 North Mesa. It is family-friendly during the day all the way up till 9 o'clock. So you can bring your kids, you can bring your whole family ahead of the UTEP game and then just drive right up to uh, the, the gate for kickoff. So it's an easy setup, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. It's a uh, minor talk at the District West pregame show, uh, again, on uh, 600 ESPN El Paso, 3 to 5. Listen to this uh, post on social at 600 ESPN El Paso from Noah. I love this. The UNLV game will give us an honest look at if we can truly compete in the Mountain West. At home against a projected mid-tier Mountain West team coming off your two hardest games of the season. Very interested how this one plays out. Great point. Uh, I think this this storyline has not been talked enough about uh, throughout this one because everybody always wants to bring up, oh, Mountain West teams. How does UTEP fare against Mountain West teams? Oh, we would love to see UTEP in the Mountain West. People always talk about this kind of stuff. Well, if you want to go out and sh- prove it to the Mountain West, you got to beat the Mountain West. Two years ago, uh, or actually it was just a year ago, they were embarrassed on the road at New Mexico. But what do they do? They turn around and beat Boise State at home in a resounding victory uh, against the Broncos, something that they've really never done here at this program. So I look at this game Saturday. It's a resume-setting win right there, beating UNLV. If that's the case for the Miners, be a significant win. Huge win. I'm with you on that one because they need it. I mean, they they, they really do. Uh, let's we, we've, we've talked about this uh, all week long, and we can't stress this enough, but the way this season has gone, you know, you win this game. With La Tech coming up a week from Friday, a week from tomorrow, you know, you could be in a position where you're back to being 500 after everything that you've gone through early on. And suddenly it's a brand new season. But if things don't go well and you lose at home to UNLV, then you could in all likelihood stick a fork in the season. Because if you lose four of your first five, what is the honest chance that you're going to win five of your final seven just to finish six and six? and qualify for a bowl game. Slim to none. So, I mean, Adrian, you hate to say that, you know, what, four weeks into the year, it's a must-win game. But we all know this really is a must-win football game if UTEP is going to have any shot at trying to go to a bowl game this year. So this season is almost a mirror image of last season to start off. I mean, they lost their three out of their first four games to start off, just like they did last year, albeit last year was against North Texas, number 9 Oklahoma, and a loss at New Mexico before winning back-to-back in a much-needed fashion. They won against Boise State. They went on the road and beat Charlotte first time ever in the Eastern time zone last year. So uh, the only difference is this year's uh, you know team, they've got two home games ahead of them, UNLV and La Tech next week. This is the per- perfect opportunity to try to turn around the season early on, and it's crazy to call uh, a game a must-win uh, late September, but that's the reality. UTEP cannot go into Conference USA play at 1-4. and four. That simply cannot happen. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you on that. So, yeah, this is going to be big. 9-1-5 night, playing for a lot here on, uh, on uh, Saturday, and you know, they only have six days to turn around after this. So you hope they can come out uh, a winner and healthy because it's so difficult when you got to play uh, two games in less than a week. Oh, man. Especially if you uh, consider any injuries that have been lingering. Marcus Bellin is somebody that they're hoping to get back soon. We still don't know the status of Mike Franklin, the running back. Yeah. We know that Kobe Hilton is back, which he's def- uh, they need him in a big way. But uh, injuries and health, that's also got to be a big thing in this game. UTEP Zay pointing out a great uh, question. How is Gavin supposed to see his receiver as if they're camouflaged? I love that. I love that post. That was uh, awesome. It was. It was vintage from UTEP Zay. All right. One hour in the books. 
come back for our final 30 minutes. Up next, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Come on back with us, folks. The Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN, El Paso. Chihuahua's baseball coming up here at the bottom of the hour. As I mentioned earlier, Tim Haggerty is heading back to, he's probably already in Vermont. Don't you think he's probably there right now? Yes. And getting ready to take in the festivities, being uh, in, getting ready to be inducted into the Vermont State University Hall of Fame? Yeah, probably showing everybody around campus. I think so, too. Probably going back to the days when he was known as Timothy Haggerty and uh, getting the much-deserved honor this week. Congratulations to him, the voice of the El Paso Chihuahuas. You think our next guest has ever been inducted into any particular Hall of Fame? Actually, yes. I I think he probably has. So I'm going to say yes, he probably has. You know what? I bet he has, too. Let's find out. He's Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com for our weekly chat. Lee, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) You're right. You're chuckling. All right, so you tell me now. Again, we don't know the answer to this. We really don't. So a hunch is that over the course of your lifetime, you being a former college quarterback, at some point have been inducted into some Hall of Fame in in wherever this might be is whether it's high school, college in Florida, in the um, handicapping <laughs> Hall of Fame. You tell me, uh, is there a hall where you currently reside in? Detention Hall of Fame in high school. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually in my high school athletic Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay, I figured. So, I figured. Yeah. We lost. Uh, we had a, quite a team. We had. This is the, at the time it was one A through four A. We had eleven players off my junior year. My senior year, we had most of the players had graduated, but eleven players off my junior year played Division One or Division One uh, AA football at the time. Wow. So, where was yeah, this? And this was in Miami, Miami Palmer Prep. We uh, actually lost five games in four years, so never lost a home game. So I was a quarterback from the Jamboree my eighth grade year to my senior year. So I still can't believe you went all the way to Texas from Miami. So we, well, I, I think I told you this before I was born in Abilene. That no, that one I didn't know. I had no idea you were born in. I Abilene. was born. My dad was a dentist, Dias Air Force Base in Abilene, Texas. I was huh. born in Texas, and and I actually wanted to go to Wake Forest. So I had four offers. Get this: Wake Forest, uh, Richmond, Gettysburg, and Southwest Texas State. Now Texas State. So what happened was this is a funny story. I wanted to go to Wake Forest. We sit down. I sit down with my coach a week before uh, signing date. And in those days, you just faxed in, yeah. you know, your your pledge. And so it turns out he asked, where do you want to go? And I said, Wake Forest. Starts shaking his head. He had played quarterback at North Texas State mm-hmm. and running back. And I'm like, why am I not going there? He goes, mm, they're going to run you off after a year. You're not good enough. Very <laughs> honest with me. And, you know, he'd been my coach for four years. <laughs> Turns out, then he's like, "Where do you want to go now?" I'm like, "Richmond." Starts shaking his head again. I'm like, "Why not Richmond?" He goes, "You can't throw a wet or a cold ball." <laughs> you know, I'm from Florida. I have small hands. He's like, "Nope." I'm like, well, "Where am I going?" He goes, "You're going to Southwest Texas State." I'm like, "Why am I going there?" That's the only school I didn't visit. He goes, "I don't know if you're ever going to start, but I know you'll be the starting punter, and the coach loves you." He calls me every single Monday morning. I said, "I guess you're right." going to Southwest Texas State, and still to this day, he lives about five minutes away from me, went with him and his son to the Miami-Texas uh, A&M game. We're best friends. That's fantastic. What a story yeah. that is. I love that. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Well, we'll have to uh, transition from uh, the good old <laughs> days to uh, to the week in uh, college football, and we'll begin. You've got five games to talk about this week. In fact, of the five, four are college, one is in the NFL. And we'll get to the free play later and also talk about what you've got at ParamountSports.com. Yeah. Very cool stuff. But beginning right now with the game that we've talked a little bit about this week, UTEP back at home hosting UNLV at the Sun Bowl. Myers are 1-3, and three, UNLV is 2-1. and one. UNLV two-and-a-half-point favorites, Lee as they get ready to play the Miners for the first time in 30 years. Yeah, I saw that. I'm going to be at the UTEP game when they play FIU, October 11th. Oh, we'll see you. We're going to be there broadcasting the show from the press box that day. You're coming to the game? We'll be at the game. We're actually going to be flying with the team up there. Yes. Okay. All right. So 
And when do you come in? Do you come in? We'll Tuesday? land on we'll land on Tuesday. Okay, so we're going to have dinner or lunch on Wednesday. Fantastic, okay? you got it. Finally, we're finally going to meet. Is Adrian coming too? Ah, uh, Adrian's coming. You'll see the two of us. All right, beautiful. Big, 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 big weekend. All right, so I think this is one of those cases where zigzag. It's going to be they're going to play their best game of the year. UNLV is one of these teams when they win, they just. Can't. They can't do anything right the next week. So this is one of those games you throw out the records, you throw out uh, the matchups, you more have to study the teams here. When everyone counts out UTEP, they're going to pull off the win here. I think they get it done here, 26-20. to 20. All right, so the Miners back on the winning track this week. Uh, as we started off, let's go now to game number two. It's 15th-ranked Ole Miss traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on the 13th-ranked Crimson Tide. Alabama's 2-1. and one. Ole Miss is 3-0. and oh. It's going to be the first conference game for both teams. Uh, as of now, Alabama six and a half points will play with that. And uh, Jalen Milrow once again named the starting quarterback for Alabama for this one, Lee. Yeah. Uh, is there a changing of the guard here? SEC West. The Alabama Empire, if they lose this game, I, I would not want to be uh, in Tuscaloosa or the state of Alabama. They've won seven straight against Ole Miss. Nick Saban. I, I thought that he should not have changed quarterbacks after one game. And now, all of a sudden, after playing Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson last week, and that went horribly. <laughs> that was a disaster. He stuck with Jalen Milrow. So he can't all of a sudden take him out again, in my opinion. Uh, I think Milrow's fine. Problem is the talent around him. You're, you know Alabama has all these great running backs and receivers. Well, Ole Miss. They're averaging 8.19 yards per snap. Alabama, they don't pass the eye test. And look at the stats, just 5.8 yards per snap. They got lucky. They were lucky to beat South Florida here. I think Lane Kiffin's going to become the fourth former assistant to beat Nick Saban. Ole Miss outright 31-27. Wow. Okay. Yep. Now, we'll move to game number three, and this is going to be another good one. 5.30 on NBC. It's number six, Ohio State, taking on number nine, Notre Dame. The Irish are 4-0. and uh, Ohio State, the Buckeyes, 3-0. and It's going to be uh, in South Bend. Ohio State, three-point favorites, Lee, uh, on the road. And I'm so fascinated by this matchup for a lot of reasons. But Sam Hartman's been off to a terrific start for the Irish with 13 touchdowns. And Marvin Harrison Jr. looking like his dad, who has been uh, fantastic for Ohio State uh, early on. So how important is the quarterbacking position? (laughs) We talk about this last year after three games. They only had, get this, Notre Dame, three touchdown passes, three interceptions. This year with Sam Hartman, I think he's the best pickup in the portal. Fifteen touchdowns, no interceptions, night and day. Ohio State last year with C.J. Stroud, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions this year. And Kyle McCord is injured and may not be able to play. Seven touchdowns, two interceptions, rather pedestrian. Even the running backs, and I think Ohio State has great running backs. Notre Dame's duo is as good, in my opinion. They're averaging 8.3 and 6.6 yards per carry. I think this is a circle game. I think these Notre Dame kids, as soon as the schedule came out, said this is our game here. Ohio State also 1-7 against the spread as a road favorite. Wrong team favorite. Notre Dame outright 28-24. Okay, and yep. that'll take us to our final college game. Can't wait. Saturday, one thirty on ABC. Number nineteen, Colorado visiting number ten, Oregon. Both are three and zero. Both will be playing their first game in conference. Oregon, yep. twenty-one point favorites in Eugene Lee. <laughs> so when I, I first saw this line, I thought it was going to be eighteen. I, I usually I'm within a point or two. Three points is a little shocking here, but. This Oregon offense likes, likes to go quick. And with them going quick, extra possessions, without Travis Hunter, hurt your offense, best receiver on the team, hurt your defense, he's the best defensive player. They're the number two passing team in the country, but they're 127th in rushing. 
and you got to have time of possession here. you got to have 28, 30 minutes. If you only have 18, 20 minutes, you're in trouble. Bo Nix in his ninth year in college football, 11 <laughs> touchdowns, no interceptions. He's been absolutely on fire here. They had almost a 400-yard edge over Hawaii last week here. Romper room special. Oregon, 56, Colorado, 24. Ooh, yep. there goes the shine off of primetime. <laughs> right. All right. Hey, by the way, breaking news, if you're just joining us with Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, he will be at the FIU game. We are already making plans. Adrian, we will be having lunch or dinner with Lee and getting a wow. chance to meet him in person in Miami. How Let's great is that? Go. I'm so ready, Lee. Let's do it. <laughs> we have a whole entourage coming too? No, just yeah. us. Just us. It's, okay. it's, it, you're, you're, we are the entourage. That's exactly right, Lee. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right. Final game, NFL, Cowboys-Cardinals. You heard about the injury today yeah. to, uh, to Diggs. Well, that doesn't really affect the line. It's now 12-and-a-half for Dallas. 2-0 right. uh, and on the season. Cards are 0-2 out there in Glendale and State Farm Stadium. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he goes down. I mean, everything was rolling here. I think they were right there uh, with San Francisco and Philly as the best teams in the NFC. Um, now they're going to make changes, and, and it's going to hurt them, but... This, this Arizona team is not good. They, they covered both games, but I mean, the Giants in the first half were awful. Even the Commanders couldn't get anything done on offense early in that game here. Uh, the Cowboys crushed the Giants and the Jets by a combined margin of 70 to 10. Josh Dobbs, he's a game manager. I mean, he has not won a start here in four combined NFL starts. And Dak, Tony Pollard here, and C.D. Lamb, I think, have big games. And Micah Parsons, he's gonna he's gonna run run shot for the through this def- offensive line here. He's the early front runner for the defensive MVP honors here. They already have the Cowboys ten sacks and five interceptions. They'll add probably another four or five here and another two or three interceptions here. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play at Dallas thirty four fourteen. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, the free pick. Uh, all you Texas Longhorn fans, listen closely. Lee's going to tell you a little bit about how to get that, along with his underdog best bet shocker that he's offering up right now at ParamountSports.com. Yep, you want to get this game for free. I, I, I think I've got the right side here on this Texas Baylor game. Studied this game, found some info. No one's looking at You want to get it for free, call 800-400-9741. Get Texas and Baylor on me, 800-400-9741. And you want to hop on board, uh, now is the time. I mean, we're 25-11. and 11. That's right, 25-11 and 11 record here, documented since the start of the preseason. Um, got all these specials. We've got the Baker's Dozen. 13 games combined Saturday and Sunday, just $97. Two weeks for $127, or the entire season for 997 with coupon code SAVE300. No one hotter. The only documented service right now, probably above 70% in the country. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Good stuff as always, Lee. Talk to you again next week. Thanks for the time. Okay, guys. Take care. Lee Sterling, folks, from Paramount Sports. Oh, I am excited. Especially when he just broke that he was going to the FIU UTEP game. Told him, yeah, we are too. And then he was immediately wanting to get together. So, Adrian, uh, this is uh, this is good stuff. After all these years of working with Lee, we finally will get a chance to uh, to spend uh, a little time with Mr. Paramount Sports himself. It's too early in the fall to ask for his famous pie, right? No. Why not? If he has we three should, weeks, right? if he has three weeks' notice, uh, we we need to worry about. We need to get that done. Yes, I think so. Or, as he said, go to Publix where they sell it. And that's how we could do that one. Because did he say that yes. the Publix uh, pie is like on par with yes. his? He was like the first time he's ever found one close to it. Love it. All right. Hey, when we come back, a uh, little crosstalk with Anthony live in Sugarland as we get ready for Chihuahua's baseball next. But first, let's get one last traffic update from Charlie One.